What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slept Through the Lecture podcast, where we're going to be talking about cool shit that happened throughout history that you might have missed in class. While I do have a degree in history, I am by no means a historian. The whole point of this is to have a little bit of fun and kind of recreate some of the conversations me and my buddies had in class when we'd be hanging out in the hallways afterwards just bullshitting about random things that happened, like stories about gangsters, stories about American presidents, stories about wars. If you want to take 15 minutes out of your day and sit back and listen to a pretty cool story that you might have missed, hope you tune in further. And welcome to the Slept Through the Lecture podcast. Like, one of my favorite stories in history is about, like, one of my favorite people, like, American history, and it's Theodore Roosevelt. Like, honestly, I feel like, in a, as far as American history goes, Theodore Roosevelt's, like, one of the baddest motherfuckers to exist in our history. There's a lot of bad people, but I really feel like Theodore Roosevelt is just bad as shit. His whole life, you could do multiple podcasts on. There's, like, a shit ton of books on the on the dude, right? This one story I'm going to tell you is like one of my favorite. And it's about the time he was sheriff in North Dakota and went and got his boat back from cattle rustlers who had stole his boat. If you don't know Theodore Roosevelt, and most people know he was a president. Uh, a lot of people don't know a lot. Outside of history nerds and historians, they really don't know that much about the man's life other than that. So he was born in 1858 on October 17th. And, like, when he was born, he was, like, a really sickly kid. Like, he had asthma. He had a regular heartbeat. And the doctors would not advise the parents not to let him outside because they were afraid he was going to die of, like, an asthma attack. So he had to stay inside for most of his life. And he grew up in New York. He grew up in one of probably the wealthiest and oldest families in New York. So he definitely had that luxury where his family could definitely take care of him. But he spent his childhood just, like, reading all these adventure books, reading all these hunting books, just dreaming of what it was like to be outside. And he actually, like, got himself into shape just staying inside. Like, the old school springs that you see people working out with. Like, you watch the old videos of, like, Jack Lil' Lane and, like, the, like, the, like, in Family Guy, the old school, like, strongman workouts. That's what he would do to, like, build his body to get himself up. Like, he was, like, convinced he was going to will himself out of his asthma. So, like, he actually did. And by the time he was 18, his doctor could not figure out how, like, his asthma was, like, pretty much receded. Just from him, like, working out in his house, like, nonstop and, like, reading all the time, he was in perfect health, ready to conquer the world. So, he, he went to Harvard, like, right when he was 18. Again, wealthy dude, wealthy family. When he was in Harvard, he actually picked up boxing and became, like, one of the boxing world champions. Or, like, he, he like, definitely won a belt, I think. But he was a really good boxer. And he would spend his weekends, because he had read all these hunting books growing up, he would spend his weekends from Harvard going up to, like, Maine and, like, living in a random cabin with these random, like, woodsmen he found and just, like, hunting and all of his free time. This is where I really got to go. I'm going to take the story and it's going to, like, totally take, like, an up from Disney's Pixar type of story where it, like, kind of builds you up a little bit and it's going to get, like, super sad. When he was in college, like, his dad died. Leading up to his dad dying, he wanted to be like a scientist because he was he wanted to be a naturalist. He wanted to study the world and like document all these animals. 
and his dad was actually like you know old insurance family in new york had money his dad was running for politics and they just dirty new york politics just like ran his dad's health into the ground they like i wouldn't say a mental breakdown but it definitely took its toll on him and like he just eventually died that just completely changed roosevelt's world he was just like okay you know what i'm not going to be focused on this nature anymore i'm going to carry on my dad's mantle so he got super serious, decided to go to, I think he was Columbia Law. Yeah, he went to Columbia Law School and became a lawyer. Graduates college, marries his, his uh, college sweetheart, Alice. And by 1882, he's I think he's 22 years old at that point, he gets elected to the New York State Assembly. So this dude's just writing hot. Like, he went this huge low turn that changed his life around. Doing great now. He's married. He's in the New York State Assembly, and he's actually really popular because he's, I hate to use this term because I like Roosevelt so much, but, and there's going to be, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, you shouldn't call him that, but he seems like a brash asshole when he's, when he's in Congress. He really does. Like, he doesn't listen to anyone. He's just like, nope, my way or the highway, and just kind of forces his way through it. People love him because he's, like, young, he's energetic, he came from a famous family. And he's just like plowed head. He's he's actually getting stuff done. He's like he, he's a Republican, but he's what's known at the time as like a progressive Republican. And he's like fighting for all these like what you would call like social social equality policies. And he's 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 wildly successful doing it, riding high. But then in eighteen eighty four, like tragedy strikes him again. This is where I was saying it comes like a it's like a up story. His wife is giving birth to their first child. He's up in Albany at the at the state courthouse. He gets a telegram saying, hey, your wife is extremely sick. We don't know if she's going to live. And he freaks out. like, what? Takes a train back from Albany to New York. He gets back uh, to New York City. Not only is his wife like about to die. She had just gave birth to the baby, but she's like in critical condition. His mom is also dying. Like in the same same time, they're both dying. His mom had typhoid, and his wife. They thought it was from childbirth. They call like she actually died of kidney failure. It was like an undiagnosed condition, and within like four hours, both his mom and his wife died. So that's within is that like a five year period? Like he lost his dad, his mom, and his wife. Just completely horrendous story. Like most people would be. I, I honestly don't know how he functioned at this point. He was a Congress. He, I mean, not a Congressman. He was a New York uh, State Assembly member. And you would think, to me, this is the two the two things that would logically happen. And this is just my way of thinking. It would be you sulk in misery and just let it consume your life. Or you're a politician. Use it to your favor. You'd be like, oh, my wife. And then uh, rise above it and conquer and use that that tragedy to get above that. But, like, Roosevelt didn't have that idea at all. Like, he finished out his term the rest of the year. He was kind of withdrawn. And then the second his obligations were done, he was like, nope, deuces. He moves to North Dakota. Like, this is a rich dude from New York that is Harvard-educated. Went to Columbia Law School. Decides, fuck it, I'm going to North Dakota. And this is, like, North Dakota in the 1880s. So, whenever you think of, like, old westerns and, like, wanted wild bills for such and such. That was the time. And he went there and he bought like 14,000 cattle and just built a goddamn ranch in the middle of North Dakota. Like everyone thought he was fucking insane. 
And the funny thing is, there's a famous picture of him, and you can Google it. Like, he's dressed up in this Wild West attire. He's got, like, his, his buckskins on, he's got his rifle, and he's got his knife. And the funny thing is, he actually went to Tiffany's to buy all... Like, he went to Macy's... Not Macy's. I forgot what store he went to at the time. It might have been Macy's, but I don't know if Macy's, like, was around back then. But I know for sure his knife was Tiffany's. It was from Tiffany's and Company. It was, like, a several thousand dollar knife that he got. Like, he posted up. Like, even as masculine as he... Because he really was a masculine dude, but he was still a rich dude. I just thought it was hilarious that he got, like, a fucking Tiffany and Company engraved knife to, like, take a picture and be like, I'm going to the Badlands. But he did go and he was, you know, for all my joking, he was like, he was really successful. Like he went out there and he actually became a deputy sheriff, like in in um the middle of North Dakota. He was not someone to be taken lightly by any means. Like when he first came out there, this dude called him four eyes at a bar. It was like he went to a bar and this dude called him four eyes and told, demanded he buy a drink. And Roosevelt just tried to brush it off as like it was a joke. And the dude, like, pulled out his gun and was like, I'm serious. As I said earlier, Roosevelt was, like, a boxing champion at Harvard. He got up and fucking knocked the dude out. And after that, people were like, okay, never mind, this guy's the real deal. So, he becomes, like, a, a rancher and a sheriff in the middle of North Dakota. It was a dude who, again, born from one of the wealthiest families in New York, went to Harvard, early in his 20s became a state legislator. He's out there and he's actually making a go of it, but it's not to like brush it off because he, like I had said, he had spent most of his time on the weekends at Harvard going hunting. So he was really into that outdoor lifestyle and going out to North Dakota during that time period. It was the wild West and he just ate that shit up. He loved it. He ate, slept and breathed it from all the accounts I've read. Everyone's like, no, he was a really good rancher. Like he's probably like one of the best in the, in the territory. And he was like really honest, man. People love that guy because not only was he hardworking, he was really honest and like he employed people in the area. But the sto- this is where the story we're getting to. This is where it cl- meets. So in 1884 is when he went out there short, uh, shortly after his wife died and he finished up his congressional session. Went out there, built a ranch called the Elkhorn Ranch, bought us 14,000 cattle. Well, like fast forward like two years after that to like March 1886. These three outlaws that were in the area... Uh, they were led by this guy named Finnegan. I think his name was Red Finnegan. And he was a crazy person by all means. Like he shot up the shot up the local town because people said something about him. Like he, when you think of like the old Westerns, he was the bad guy that would roll into town like at high noon to try and draw. This was his dude. Well, they were on the run, I think for cattle wrestling. They somehow got onto Roosevelt's ranch and saw he had a boat and got the boat and sailed it up river. It's like, I think at the time they said it was worth like $30, which I mean, granted today it's probably be worth a couple hundred, but this dude, this is a guy who's worth like several million back in the 1800s. So he could have just wrote off the boat, like whatever it's missing. That was not how Roosevelt rolled. He like said that a, I can't abide it because I'm a man of the law and B, I can't abide it because I'm a man of principle. And the funny thing is what pissed him off was he was going to use that boat that day to go hunt cougars. Mountain lions. Goddamn mountain lions is what he was going to go hunt that day. And there might be people that would be like, oh, that's horrible. Why would you hunt it? Okay, I get the logic for that. But this is the 1800s. Can you stop for a second and imagine how big of a badass you have to be to hunt mountain lions via boat in 1885? 
Like, you don't have camo. If you do, it's very rudimentary. You don't have, like, scent cover. And you have early model semi-automatic rifles. So, there's really not that much of an advantage to it. I mean, I've seen pictures of people hunting back then, and they hunted in goddamn suits. And you're going out there to take on a mountain lion in North Dakota at the tail end of winter in a rowboat. But that was the type of duty was. And it pissed him off that they took the boat. So he got his two best hands who were his former hunting partners up in Maine. They built a new boat and loaded up with supplies. And they're going to go downriver to try and catch these guys. And what's so hilarious is two of the things that Roosevelt packed during on his trip was he packed... Anna Karina by Tolstoy, which is, I'm sorry, I know a lot of literature nerds love that book. It is so boring. It is like one of the most boring books. But he brought that with him and he brought a camera so he can take a picture of the men once he caught them. And I just think that is like the most crazy thing ever. But that is Roosevelt's life. He just did shit like that. So they set out to find this dude. And it took them six days no, no, sorry. It took them four days to get down there. It was a total of 150 miles. They had to go down river to get him. And they're like hunting deer along the way so they could have a hot meal because it's so cold outside. And they eventually get to the camp and it's like three guys. He find the boat. One dude is keeping watch of the camp and the other two guys, uh, one of them's the leader, uh, Finnegan, he's off hunting. So they, they grab the guy who's sitting watching camp, tie him up so like it doesn't look like he's tied up so the people can't see he's there. The other two guys come back to camp and like Roosevelt and his two boys just swarm, put him at a point blank range, and they give up. So they're like, all right, we got the guys. What do we do now? The average lawman, I would assume back in the day, because I've seen a lot of Westerns and read a lot of Western stuff, they would have just tied him up to a tree. But that was not Roosevelt's bag. He's like, nope, they're getting justice. They are going to get the full justice. So they decide to march them back to the nearest town. So that's another 150 miles. And they can't go back upriver because they came downriver to find these guys. They can't go upriver because it would take forever. So they went downriver. Over the next four days, they would march these guys. They couldn't tie their hands because it was so cold. They were afraid. Roosevelt was afraid they would get frostbite and their hands or feet would rot off. So they marched them down. And after two days, they kind of hit an impasse, like, cause they were trying to drag the boat and they finally got a point where they couldn't drag the boat any further. Roosevelt being Roosevelt and the guys he picked, you know, they were hardcore uh, explorers as well. They didn't want to leave the supplies in the boat and they didn't want to abandon the boat after all that time. So he said, I tell you what, you guys stay here. I got this by myself. So him with three criminals marches them for another two days to like the closest town. He did not sleep. He literally stayed up all night long reading that Tolstoy book. So for like two days, he stayed awake reading the book and keeping them at gunpoint. His mind is so fucking wild that he actually read the book and started writing criticism of the book to keep himself awake. He wrote about how the characters were boring and how he felt that the book was kind of lackluster, which I find that hilarious because I think the book's lackluster and I think his criticism was pretty on point, but that's the type of dude you were dealing with at the time. He marches them into town, turns them in, and they pay him for his time as sh- 
as sheriff or acting on behalf. I think it was like $150 at the time. Again, the money meant nothing to the guy because he was rich. He did it solely out of principle. That is just one of many stories of why Roosevelt was probably one of the baddest motherfuckers in American history. Easily the baddest president, in my opinion. I can't think of another president that would have done something like that. He was just the, in my opinion, the coolest dude like that. That is a badass story. There's a lot more of him like that. And if that's something you're interested in, something you'd like to hear more, send us a comment, let us know. And if you liked what you heard today, make sure to like, and subscribe. But that is the tale of Theodore Roosevelt arresting both thieves in North Dakota.